I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcasts is supported by Infratech. Bring indoor comfort to outdoor living with Infratech Comfort Heaters. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Morning. And you are listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. So, Jason, uh, over the weekend, we found out one of our friends is moving to Texas out of oh. nowhere. <laughs> it was a very fast, um, fast decision. I think it was like a three-week window when they made the decision, found jobs there, sold and bought a home holy <laughs> all within three weeks are they no kids no they have kids oh, two geez. kids you, holy cow so yeah as uh that's sort of an example but uh as people have seen in the news there's a lot of people moving from california new york um i was talking with another friend of mine who's in north carolina who had mm-hmm. moved from new york uh maybe a year or so ago maybe a year now um and he was saying that a lot of people that he knows are also moving from new york to like north carolina the carolinas and these areas are just transforming super fast a lot of development Mm -hmm. um, new homes coming in but the funny thing is that the local people are also very upset. Not big fans, dude. <laughs> about this. My friend that was uh, just moving to Texas, they were saying that when they talked to the realtor in that area mm-hmm. where they were going to move, they were very hesitant to take them on as a client and was like, 
a half hour conversation, I think, to get an understanding of why they wanted to move. Um, I think they're trying to safeguard on the realtor side. <laughs> they're trying to safeguard political beliefs from coming into their state. Yeah, leave your back where you left it, right? Which, which I found pretty funny. But before we get into the discussion today, quick nod to our sponsor. In the last few years, premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature, and Infratech outdoor electric heating systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. Infratech heaters provide energy-efficient, ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during cooler months. Clients love them because they can enjoy 100 more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of their unparalleled versatility, from heater capacities and colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative coverings. They're also the only comfort heating company to offer smart home integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the USA at competitive prices. They offer incredible design and live technical support at every stage of a job. Infratech is specified at the world's most prestigious properties. Learn why and sign up for a free consultation at infratech-usa.com forward slash podcasts. And just to highlight a little bit of that versatility, you know, we talked about how commercial units are all big and clunky, but these are have options to do much more sleek and uh, clean-looking design. They have four mounting options available, including a recess option, eight standard colors, and unlimited custom colors, as well as multiple decorative covers for different design options. Mm -hmm. But... Um, Back to the conversation. This is going to be interesting over the next few years because this is happening, and it's going to be transforming the landscape of the country quite a bit. So well, I think I think even one of the ones that they track is uh, like moving trucks. I don't know if you've ever seen that stat. So like I remember looking at one to go from California to let's say Texas and this and that or whatever. It was you know if you're leaving California, the people tend to be migrating big hit wise to Texas, Idaho, uh, Utah. And there's one other one though. Anyway, um, so let's just say it's like $1,000 or $5,000 or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. To go from any of those spots back to California, it's like literally like $6. <laughs> I mean, it was so, it was so it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, because it just shows you that everybody's leaving and they track this like Zonda and all these other guys and stuff like that. They track this stuff because it shows you how many people or what the demand is, you know, for people leaving an area versus the migration back right so if you look back at what we were talking about i know i'm obviously very california specific but it's i think we're going to be in the fourth year in a row where more people are leaving than coming to california um and that was like it, this is the first run in history where it's ever been at all with you know even stringing two years together where that's happened um so there's a huge migration i mean um and i agree with you like you see a lot of those people like pumping up the idea if you're coming to texture like leave your views back wherever you came from because clearly you left there you know mm -hmm. what i mean because you didn't like where it was going to come here or whatever it's i don't think it's all affordability i think a lot of the people that are moving as you stated with your friends sold their house right so they're already in the game 
if you will, mm-hmm. and we're able to buy another house somewhere else or whatever. So where in the first couple of years, the first, you know, last few years, I would say like handful of years prior, I think a lot of it had to do with affordability. Mm-hmm. If you're here, you're already either in it or you're staying with it and you're part of it. But the last couple of few years, I think literally have to do with some of the whack stuff that's just going on. So I think that's an illusion. I really don't think it's, uh, I think politics play a role, but I don't think that's really the main Try this. reason. Uh, because I think affordability is still, still a, a problem. is still a big uh, factor, and maybe it's not affordability of you can't find a home per se. That's not the only way, but you see that your money goes further mm-hmm. and people have more options to either transfer offices or work, continue to work remotely now. Mm-hmm. But your money goes further in, in other states that are more totally. inland. You can you can actually find land in Texas. Yeah. Um, what's what's interesting, though, the new bill, the other one I was going to say was Tennessee. A lot of people are going to Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Um, the other thing that I would say though, is like, when you go look at, and I have, I've actually looked right. Like I'm like, look, if, if the, if some of the, like I said, whack stuff that's going on in California kept going, you know, my wife and I were like, okay, like we need to go. So I was looking at a lot of areas, right. Mm-hmm. What I noticed was your new home construction in all those areas, which I probably wouldn't be a new home guy anyways, but obviously I understand it to a certain degree. So that's what I look at, mm-hmm. um, is the same as here. Oh, really? It's the same as here. So you still got, you know, not, not maybe not quite the spit and hit, mm-hmm. um, like I like to call it, but dude, they're stacked. I mean, they're not dumb. They realize that God's not making any more land. You know what I mean? So they're tr- still trying to eke out all they can from that. Plus with the amount of people that are going there, they're trying to meet that demand as well too, right? So when you go and you, and you tour some of these new home communities here in Southern California, and then you look at it, and obviously I haven't been there, but I look at the development and look at the phase mapping, all that kind of stuff, dude, it is pretty tight <laughs> you're, yeah you're not you know like at that at, at what i would call you know some of the median price levels out there for for a nice home what people would probably be shooting for in the fives you know what i mean like that kind of thing um which is probably to your point you know um a million million two out here in southern california um, which is now kind of considered like that average price point you know what i mean mm-hmm. um it's not different it's just literally the land is cheaper and because of that, you're, you're not, you're not escape, you know, it's not this view of this, like this lush green landscape and you got all your cows running around or, you know, whatever it is, it's still a tight box. So I think it's kind of funny that, that that's happened. I mean, and what I looked at was acreage, you know what I mean? Like, like house yeah. and acreage and you can do it, but it's not cheap. You know, you're still going to go spend, you are getting way more for what you're going to spend. But if you want that, you're still going to spend them mill and a half to, you know, to be able to get that. It's not like it's 500 grand, you know? Yeah. So really for, for the median price, you're just going to go from one, two out here in Southern California to about five, 600 for the same thing, 2,200 feet, you know, whatever it is like, and I'm on a bunch of email lists and stuff like that for Boise, for some of these other ones and whatnot. Um, and that's what you're looking at. It's literally half the price for the same thing you'd get out here. That's, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. But I think people are also just leaving because of, population growths within these locations of California, New York, for example, because it's also been for years, people moving to Oregon, um, I think a little bit of Washington, but um, it doesn't seem like you got a lot of land in Oregon and um, in Washington, but people have been going up there for a Mm -hmm. while. The affordability. 
Like, and that's what, and when you're saying like for a while, I wouldn't put those places, especially in light of some of the events that took place, like in Seattle and stuff like that. Um, people are hesitant to go there in the last couple of years, but I would have put that in the years prior, like I was talking about where people were literally leaving because of affordability. I think the real estate market or the economy in general has taken off so hard in the last couple of years that you're not really leaving for affordability anymore. I think you're leaving for a change. This is purely opinion, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because you look at stuff, you know, like I was talking about, I know it's not political to you, but to me, it is political in a lot of ways. And that's the only reason why I was going to leave because looking at vaccine mandates here, the strict in California, it's like the strictest that it's ever been, right? It's not like this anywhere else where Newsom's running around doing his deal totally different than anybody. Hold on. On on this, let me, let me ask this real quick. Yeah, far away. Have your kids always had to get vaccines for school? Yes. So uh, we're, not the anti, we're not anti-vaccine. Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm just out of curiosity. Like, why is that different? To- totally. So when you look at it this way, um, it's not just the kids per se, but it's primarily focused around the kids. The vaccines that you had to take are the same ones you and I had to take when we were younger, right? By yeah. definition, there's a 20, 30 year run on these things. Mm-hmm. And so, and, th- and our parents took them even before that. You follow me? So there's a whole long gestation period where you've seen the play out of things, you've seen the risks, you've seen all that kind of stuff. And you can literally do the data and say, okay, over you know the years and years and years, here's what you get over this, here's what you get over this. Mm-hmm. You can make an informed decision. Yeah, It's not the same with this one. And the restrictions aren't the same. And while they're coming out and they're basically saying, I mean, look at all the games that are being played with the FDA and everybody else right now. I'm hesitant because a lot of different things. I also have doctors that have said, don't do this to your mm-hmm. kids. Don't do not literally, literally my wife came home and was like, okay, start looking at places to go because if they do this, our doctor is saying, don't, we need to leave. So mm-hmm. I've also fought it off myself twice now mm-hmm. um, in a couple of few days. And so it makes zero sense to me, whatever, why I would have to go do something like that to be able to do it. Now, on top of that, it's not just about going to school. They're also starting to talk about it and backfiring a little bit now, but to get into a restaurant, to get into all these kind of things, right? It is unlike anything we've ever seen. There's no way you can tell me because you didn't take your MMR shot that you went into a restaurant and they're like, you need to show me your MMR card or you can't sit down. You need to show me your HIV card or you can't sit down. You need to, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's, this is the only one that's ever been like that. And so anyways, I mean, this is highly, you know, our conversation turned highly California centric. So I want to pivot a little bit and yeah. I want to say the other reason why I think, and, and look, I have to consider this too, California, Florida, and I can't remember the other one that was thrown in this mix. But you talk to any Fortune 100, 500 type of company or whatever, they're like, you're insane to start a company in either one of those states. Insane to be a business owner, right? Mm-hmm. Because your tax heights, like um, the restrictions that you have, like oh, the cost involved in it, get out. <laughs> like, 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 don't, don't do a company. Like, and so what, and that's why you've seen, what have you seen? Forget the people. What massive businesses have you literally seen leave California or Florida? massive businesses because they've seen how much they can save or whatever it is, or are done with restrictions and those types of things. There's been a mass exodus of, of entrepreneurship and business wise out of California, for sure, Florida, some, and I can't remember. And a lot of them, where'd they go? Texas, you know what I mean? Or a couple other ones, but it's mm-hmm. like, they're like, come on in. Like, you know, we'll give you all the advantages you need. Like this creates jobs. It does all, you know, and, and, and they make more money because they don't have to just pay it to governments. They feel are failing them. You know what I mean? Uh, again, feel, you know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. argue the data points and I don't, I don't know that very well, so I can't do that, but you have a people perspective from an affordability and you have businesses doing it from affordability as well. So there's a, there's a huge, ex- I don't think it's going to change until you literally change the people that are in office. Um, and, I, and I'm talking like 
Like, you know what I mean? It's not just the governor or whatever. Like you've got plenty of stuff in there that's still going to sit as a residual that's going to have a lot of the same values, but it doesn't make dollars and cents when you look at the cost of starting a business here versus starting a business somewhere else. It's insane how much you pay. It's insane. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily mind it. Like you say, the market is Mm going to drive everything. Like you always talk about, uh, Yeah. yeah, the market dictates. I don't think that political leadership will ever go very uh, conservative, I'll say, uh, in California. But I think maybe people will start to look at taxes a little bit different at some point to attract business, which would be a good thing. And hopefully this exodus will reduce population to a manageable level again and get things under control as far as affordability. Yeah, I think I think on your population thing too. They did, you know, there's a recent survey that I read um, asking young couples, you know, what I mean, if they plan plan to have kids and stuff like that. And there's actually, I don't want to call it alarming, but there's a large percentage of people, you know, way tilted in comparison to what it's been in the past of like, you know, we're not, we don't plan to yeah, have kids. That's us. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I think there's a lot of reasons for that, and and it's probably unique to each couple. But maybe that's part of your, you know, maybe that helps your population control that, that, that you, you know, you speak of that. I don't, I don't know enough about, but, um, so hopefully we can do that naturally. Um, and, and people just realize, you know, maybe this isn't the time they want to do this and, and, and whatever, but I can't imagine my life without kids either. So I don't, I, you know, I don't know. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see as people move, because it's going to transform the country in a lot of ways. Um, and for our industry that'll be interesting to see as well of people you know working across state or moving to chase work because of this shift in population or bouncing back and forth it'll be interesting to see how all of this kind of plays out yeah i mean couple that couple that with the idea that look at some point here you have to have a market correction in general economy wise right mm-hmm. i mean we're regardless of whether you think we're at the height or not we're high yeah <laughs> So, you know, that is that looming concern is around the corner somewhere. I mean, hopefully it's not a bottom dropout, but um, hopefully it's a, a, a needed quote unquote correction, yeah. but that's, that's looming. I mean, you, you're, you're stupid to think otherwise, you know what I mean? So, um, and we've seen a lot of migration things happen during those times and um, landscapes completely change. And, you know, to be honest with you, when things go down, that's when entrepreneurship booms again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that does and what, you know, little, little doorways open for entrepreneurs and what, like, you know, whatnot like that. Maybe that's the opportunity for those States that have seen so much leave be like, Hey, this is the perfect opportunity for us to kind of refab how we do this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think that's next year or the year after, you know, in my opinion, so I'm calling it here November 22nd, <laughs> 8 43 AM. Um, you know, I think, it, I think it's mid next year to, to, you know, 12, 12 months out. Yeah. That- the weird thing I saw recently that said someone said that we have possibly approached a healthy market when it comes to housing. Whoever said that, like, don't ever pay attention to what they said again. <laughs> but it's interesting. I thought it was going to take a turn last year, I think. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I had said it recently that I thought it was going to be coming, and it's continued on for like a year or two. So here, here's the reason why I think that is, right? Um, that it won't that, that it won't be healthy. Yeah, that it won't be healthy. I think the reason why, like when you look at it, saying I thought last year, and even me, I'm like, at some point, this has got to happen, right? What I think you saw happen was it's real simple. The price appreciation that builders saw on or whoever's you know constructing on development 
saw based off of stuff they penciled two, three years ago was, was drastic in comparison to the cost of materials and labor. You follow me? Yeah. So they figured they're going to be able to sell the house at 1 million. Dude, it's at one six right now. There's 600 that your, your, your materials and your labor didn't come anywhere near that. So that's why when you go and you look back at it, you know, and I have these arguments with some financial guys, but when you go, oh, the builders are, you know, calling record profits. They're going to like it, it yeah. like hundred percent, because if you think about what I'm talking about, a deal that you penciled three years ago is what you're selling now. Yeah. Okay. So all that was done way back when on a certain, whatever, dude, nobody saw this run up coming in this type of stuff, right? Nobody. That's why they're all like yeah, record profit, record profit, record profit. Well, now you're getting into stuff where you're still trying to fill pipeline right? For these builders and, and whatever, and trying to buy blue topsoil again and all this other kind of stuff, which you know is extremely expensive. Well, that 60% increase in profit that you had is now back down to 10%, 11% or whatever. And your, and your cost of materials, I'm, I'm about to send our builder partners another increase again, because I'm getting increases. I still keep going up. And the labor, as we've talked about for a long, long time, nobody's coming in. <laughs> So there's a, there's a constraint on labor, there's a cost on materials, and sometimes the, the constraint on labor is what's causing the cost of materials, but that's all running up. So you're squeezing those things out. So no matter what, you're going to get to a point where they're going to be like, dude, it doesn't pencil to build this anymore. It's a whole lot of risk or whatever, or you're going to see them start pulling back on the amount that they're doing and those kind of things. So don't be confused or don't look at that type of stuff because everything you look at from a home building perspective is three years in arrear. 100%. It's all due from three years prior. You know what I mean? Whatever yeah. they're reporting right now is from about three years ago, roughly. So mm -hmm. what you start seeing next year is the stuff that was two years ago and a year and a half ago and whatever. So if you think about having started that last January in the middle of a pandemic or, you know, right before a pandemic, yeah. ugh, you know what I mean? Like that's a little scary. And that's what you have to realize is those things you're going to see next year, literally we're at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. You know what I mean? They penciled something and the costs on that are way extreme in comparison. You know what I mean? So, um, so I would just watch that, you know, that's, that's kind of, yeah. again, November 22nd, 846 AM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so we completely blew through our time today and didn't get to any of the stuff that I wanted to get to. So if you want to hear more about this topic on the U S migration, uh, we're going to go into some stats and talk about a few different things, different perspectives on the subject. Uh, come back for our next episode uh, on Thursday and we'll, we'll rehash this a little bit. Uh, so thank you for joining me on this conversation, Jason. Yeah. Thank you to the listeners for listening and we'll talk again on Thursday. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsors by checking them out and supporting them, you help us keep this show going. Thank you to Infratech Outdoor Comfort Heating for their support of this episode of Spaces Podcasts. Visit infratech-usa.com podcast to sign up for a free consultation and learn why Infratech is the choice for bringing indoor comfort to outdoor living. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. 
Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.